Get ready. You're listening to Pirated Radio. Hello and welcome back to Pirated Radio. I believe this is episode four. Maybe. Yeah, I think it's four. In this episode, I speak to a gentleman called Mark Davis, who is a type designer. And we essentially nerd out about type for an hour and a half. This is very long. And if you are someone that's listening to this that doesn't necessarily know about design and just knows me, there will be moments of this where you're probably thinking, I have no idea what these people are talking about. Just as a pre-warning. But yeah, we talk about his work, um, how he got into design, the the future of typography. We talk about his now kind of infamous, I don't know if that's the word, infamous typeface, um, tiny hands, which he designed from Donald Trump's hand script, Donald Trump's handwriting, which was featured on The Tonight Show and things like that. But yeah, this is very long. It is good. It is it's probably my favourite one thus far. No offence to anyone that I've spoken to before. <laughs> but um, yeah, enjoy. Firstly, for the people that don't have the pleasure of knowing yourself, can you give people that may be listening a bit of an introduction to yourself and maybe what you do? Absolutely. Hi, um, I'm Mark Davis. I am a, well, um, I think of myself as a combination of a few things, but um, I think I'm probably the most skilled at um, in what I've been or known for just like an insane amount of passion for like my current interest in typeface design. Um, and that's kind of propelled me through a lot of different kind of variations of my current career. I work on typefaces, I work on logo types, um, but you know, I'm also an art director and graphic designer for um, my day-to-day kind of projects. I guess off the back of that, has type always been something that you've always had a bit of an interest in, I guess? Well, um, there's a couple very particular i think kind of funny scenarios that happened when i was a lot younger that my mom kind of told me about later on like um i think she took when we were like trying to buy uh used cars uh, my parents were trying to buy a used car and i was like three or something like that and i had one of those um magnetic boards or something like i was in the back seat and i was like drawing the outline of what car like the word car but like not like i wasn't drawing just like c-a-r i didn't know what those were but i was drawing the outline the outside of all those letters just because i i saw them as kind of interesting but um so that was like i'm not not probably wasn't three or something but like pretty young um but i guess like my real kind of passion for it was in high school um my beginning of it because i was like oh, there are so many opportunities to like work on T-shirts and like, you know, everyone knows that they want on a T-shirt. So like, um, and I wasn't much of an illustrator back then or anything. So I was kind of like, well, what what's the font got to be? And, you know, that was like my love affair with dafont.com, our, uh, our true love, dafont.com. Uh, so just trying to find the right dafont. It, it, it's not just a font, it's dafont. Uh, so, (laughs) so, um, you know, working on posters back then, working on like hoodies and track jackets and just really enjoying like seeing, you know, something typographic in other people. And then it was my senior year in, um, let me see here. It was my senior year in high school and I watched the Helvetica documentary and everything changed because suddenly I realized that, um, I wasn't really living in a world. I was just living in Helvetica's world and I was just a participant inside of it. Um, so I have a few Helvetica posters in my room and like, um, 
you know, a couple calendars that are like Helvetica inspired or just straight up Helvetica. Uh, so that kind of passion was um, cool to me just because like one person's design could uh, really permeate almost everything just because he had met a cultural movement of like Swiss design or like modernism. And so now it's kind of, it, it's lost a lot of flavor to many people, but um, you know, I still think it's a very seducing idea that like, you know, something that you make typographic can um, have a life much bigger than any design it was part of. Off of, off of the kind of back of that, and I wanted, you know, you've worked in type for a little bit now. Do you have any advice for people that are maybe in college and things like that? And this is like, me included in this, that are maybe thinking once they've graduated, they might want to go into type as like a their main career field, like their main career. Do you have any sort of advice that you'd give to somebody right now in sort of the modern age about in, in terms of that? Yeah, well, I think... A really awesome thing about type design now is that you don't need to be taught for five years how to carve metal um, and you don't have to go through a truly grueling internship of, um, you know, <laughs> all this lead all this i mean it's it the barrier to entry of course I'm, I'm mostly joking people haven't been doing that for i guess like 80 years or something but honestly the barrier of entry to get into type is super low now which is amazing and so nowadays like i always kind of recommend that um people give the glyphs uh application so that's like the glyphs app uh which is mac only um i'm sorry for windows users but um glyphs it's really, really uh, well thought through. I mean, there are some other font design programs. I th like in my personal experience, like the other ones, I I've tried a few of them and, but the other ones uh, have been a little bit too technical for even me to like really sink my teeth into. Like I, I remember like a college uh, summer where I was just, <laughs> uh, by, uh, my, my mom invited me and my sister to come to Paris with her. And I decided I would stay in my room <laughs> And I would work on uh, work on my one font that I was just cracking uh, in my room instead. Uh, so, I mean, maybe I shouldn't have done that choice, but maybe I should have. I mean, I, w I went to Paris later on after I was like a graphic designer and I like moved to New York and had a few opportunities to go to Paris. So um, it wasn't a big miss. But um, so it's, it's pretty addictive because like you have a ton of control. Like there's a... Um, a possibility that you like really just sink your teeth really into like one letter a really long time and you're not even sure how much of a difference it's making and then you like start to modifying all these other letters like it's very fun and um it's it's yeah like i said it already it's very addictive um so glyphs for sure um there's also like online forums i think type drawers uh I like to emphasize the W there, but um, type drawers um, is a place that I would kind of go if I was posting or wanting feedback on my first typeface. Because my first typeface, there is a website that's now dead because it's, you know, been 10 years or something like that. But something called Typeophile that the older type designers probably know all about. But, um, you know, I posted my first design to that and people are like, oh, well, I mean, looks kind of fun. But, uh, you know, what if all these, you know, it basically this this tried and true process of so i'm very excited about their first typeface and slowly uh making it far more and more and more consistent with all the other letters and maybe less interesting to the to them uh from the first draft but more consistent and masterful slowly over time um so finding a mentor 
um, whether that's many people who are willing to donate time on a forum or like finding a mentorship program or finding just a mentor who's like able to meet with you weekly and just take a look at your specimens and stuff like that. Uh, that's kind of um, the the path to learning. There's a lot of um, things to do after that, like after you've been doing that for around maybe two years or three of just like making your own things, like finalizing them as far as you can, you know, per- perhaps pursuing like type at Cooper for like a summer program. I did that. Um, it was just one month. It was 10 hours a day and you had Sunday off, but like um, super fun for me. There's also type at Cooper. That's the extended program that that's like a uh, three semester um, after work kind of thing. It's like once a week, I believe. And so that's in, uh, the East Coast and the West Coast um, type Cooper, but I mean, COVID. So whatever, uh, you know, <laughs> it's probably everywhere now. Um, and then there's also master's programs uh, that you can go to. Um, the one I know about is the Royal Academy of Art in The Hague. Uh, K-A-B-K, I can't pronounce it, but it's most people kind of take it as like kind of this holy grail of a one year master's in type design and invariably the people who are still passionate after taking it because some people take that program and they just learn a lot about their graphic design career. Um, they aren't, they don't really want to continue doing type design, but they, you know, your work can only become stronger after learning so much about type, um, in my opinion. So, um, right. But the people who are still very interested after a grueling year, um, in the Netherlands, um, designing typefaces, multiple projects, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't say like, I, I kind of, I have this like fantasy of like what it is like to be at the Royal Academy of Art in the Hague because I applied to that program. I didn't necessarily get in at the time, probably for good reason. Uh, I was pretty new at type then, but, um, it, I'm not sure if you've seen the film Whiplash, but, um, I was definitely thinking of like this, you know, mean professor Fletcher and, and he's just like, but it's like a type context. So he's just kind of like, is the spacing loose or tight? And then he's like smacking your hand or something like that. That's what I think KBK is like, but it's probably nothing like that at all. But, um, <laughs> so there's, there are lots and lots of ways to kind of, um, engage yourself into the type community and lots of different learning resources, but also like experiment on your own. Um, which I think you've got to do for yourself to figure out if, you know, if it's something you really are interested in. Um, so, you know, you can't find out until you try it. Just to touch on as well, because you mentioned a lot of American ones and things like that. Just to touch on if you are listening from sort of a European side, because if you can't tell, I'm British. Um, there is a there is only one MA that I know of in England in type design, and that's in Reading. Yeah, no, I've heard excellent things about the Reading program as well. I haven't looked into it as closely. Yeah, I know I know for a fact that they do this thing where they get you to describe uh, design scripts that aren't, that aren't in your name tongue so like they'll get you to do like um you know asian scripts even though you you speak english and things like that you're not native in which i thought it's a pretty cool idea isn't it because I guess there's, there's things like that where you wouldn't necessarily think about sort of the weight you, when you're thinking about a Ro- like a Roman letter form, there'd be different things on sort of a, you know, a Chinese letter form where the weights sit and things like that. It's not something that I've looked into, but I just assume it's like that. Right. There's, there's a ton of fundamentals of how to draw like a Latin letter um, that can be applied to it, but there's not Roman than Latin. I've got that wrong. <laughs> it, it, no, it's, it's, it's funny. Cause like I was in a fight with my coworker about like, Oh, we've got to really got to correct this CEO. Uh, memo about this logo type because he says like 
these letters must me remain Roman because we're doing a translation. I'm like, they're not Roman, they're Latin, but I, I know that you're thinking like Roman and italic or something. Like that's a good antonym there, but like, no, I wasn't calling you out. I'm sorry. But it's, it's just, it's just like a, like I have all these like really pet, small pet peeves that are like, it's like if I could just help some people with these small things, but there's, there's tons of like optical compensations that are like difficult to talk about in a com, uh, podcast, for example. But like, um, the minute that you can see like variation you have to do to combine two shapes in a convincing way, because I think we all learn from graphic design, the easier something looks, the harder it actually is. Um, so if you apply that to, you know, a 600 character system, uh, be it uh, a Latin 600 character typeface or a uh, Korean, Japanese, um, Chinese typeface that is, over 5,000 characters, um, <laughs> the the impact of a properly appri- applied um, optical char- um, optical compensation is critical. So, um, but it's also super wonderful to learn from people who do know their language incredibly well and can, from you know a personal perspective, give you their opinion of how they've seen it and those sensations that they receive from seeing certain types of letter forms. Because like you know, there's not just one way you can do a lowercase a. There's like maybe five or something in just Latin, for example, um, and that's a non-exhaustive number there. But um, there's probably way more just for other scripts and languages. So and they probably understand those. Um, implications far better, which is, you know, an even better reason to listen to and seek out the opinions of, you know, people of different backgrounds of us. One thing I did want to add on at the end, and I'll do it now because you kind of touched on sort of the pet peeve thing. And I didn't include this in the email that I sent in to you over to you on purpose, but I'm in a Facebook group and it's called something like this font is a crime or something along those lines but the the, the thing is it's called font in the, in the title of the group and I, and I put a post up in it which said you're all living a lie you're all sheep it's it's typeface it's not font and a lot of it's it consists of a lot of people that aren't you know type design they're not, they're not designers they're kind of they have a passing interest in type and things like that so for some reason a lot of people got angry at me for that I don't know why I was like that's what it's called <laughs> but um there's a guy that commented which said um i think he worked in code i forgot his name but he, he said basically because i guess every so you can use the term font Te- technically if you, if you go from the definition you can use the term font for most things because and it, it, it irks me too because i've got that thing of like i've had a type lecture at university and things like that and he says you know don't use the term font use typeface all, all the time so if i if i was looking over your shoulder and you were making a poster yeah and i said to you i don't like that font change that font instantly that's kind of in by definition you you'd think that means change the weight isn't it because font refers to the weight and then typeface will refer to the actual changing of the typeface but the term font in itself refers to well i would i would actually have a different answer to that but let me finish first and then you can correct me but um the the term font it refers to Uh like a, a weight or you know if it's italic things like that so by that definition whether it's helvetica you know light or comic sans bold i can say change that font is that is that an argument to be had there? Because it, they're both fonts, aren't they? So I can say I change that font to that font. 
if you get what I mean. No, I totally, I totally get where you're coming from. There's many ways I can talk about that from all the levels of pedantry I could ever possibly want to <laughs> engage. Um, but something I've been thinking about lately is there was, I will kind of like answer your question with like a story and then like a, I'll, I'll go back to it. But like, no, yeah, go for it. There yeah. was, um, I'm not sure. I mean, whatever. I'm going to mention it. But like there's a there's there's an Instagram account and like a small bane of my existence are design oriented Instagram accounts, because like on one hand, like if they make a visual kind of statement or post or something, all you can do is like reply text to it. And like it's the, the hierarchy of like Instagram is photo like you know image like you know like cityscape like landscape like the obvious thrust is just kind of like image um so there's like a bias towards whatever is visual there um so anyway i I just kind of have an issue with like design instagram because like it totally disregards discourse over just like the pretty thing that someone posted um but someone had posted something and it was a very pedantic kind of like technical jargon thing and it was so there's like um i mean i hope people who are listening know what a ligature is but a ligature um because i'm gonna have a very difficult time describing it without an image but like a ligature is where like you know you have two standard letters like maybe you know envision in your mind a serif like times or something like that so like and for this example there's s and t um he had shown an image of a ligature between the top uh right hand corner so let's say one o'clock of s to the top of the t so there's this curl that's like a very elegant curl from the top of the s to the um uh top of the t so they're both lowercase letters by the way so like and he was like by the way, this is not just a ligature. This is called a gadzook. And I was like, I'm... And this person, by the way, had 25,000 followers on Instagram. And I was like, um, sir, I think you are misinterpreting something. And this is slightly informa- misinformation because, like, you know, you can look up gadzook on Google, like, type gadzook on Google images and you will see this thing and it's kind of just like annotated. It's just usually in a, 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 a dumpster full of like just terms of letter things you should know. And Gadzook is just in there somewhere pointing at this random ligature between a C and a T or an S and a T. And it's like, I have found, and I've asked many people, there's no historical like reference for what this fucking means. And my current understanding is that someone misread an article that someone was, you know, enamored by this discretionary ligature between this S and a T and said a gadzook as an exclamation because he liked it. And then someone decided, like, I really need to make a poster about type. And so I think he's talking about this being a gadzook. I'm going to call this thing a gadzook. So it's this, you know, misinformation megaphone thing of people saying this something that they've seen before and not having like an expert to talk to about like if that's a real thing or not whatever they just kind of say the same things over and over so eventually he and he was like whatever he kept digging his own hole in this like thing and he was just like oh well i took this from a jonathan hoffler piece when he was working on jensen and i was like what are you talking about jonathan hoffler who and for those playing at home he is like the head honcho at hoffler and company which is a well-known type foundry and i'm like 
to this person on Instagram, which is like a wonderful, you know, place to have a stupid argument. But like Jonathan Hoffler did not work on Jensen. And, uh, you know, I just actually messaged Jonathan Hoffler on Twitter and said like, and he's just like, I, I, in no way did I ever say that this ligature is called a gadzook. And I sent this guy the screenshot of Hoffler saying like, hey, when I was working on uh, his type, his own typeface, Hoffler text and classifying ligatures. And he like had quaint ligatures and like, you know, ver- like lots of distinct descriptions of different kinds of ligatures because that was important to the operating system or something like that. Like all this like very technical things. And he's like, but uh, uh, every single part of this person's thing was wrong. And he took down the post and he made an apology on like a story saying like, this is not a Getzook, it's just a literature. Um, it is, and like he also called it a quaint, but you know, he misread Hoffler's thing about a quaint classification of a ligature. So all these really weird things, but all of that was just simply talking about how, uh, you know, people try to use very descriptive flowery language that actually sometimes doesn't communicate to other people. Um, because sometimes they're unsubstantiated. Um, so that's one part of it is just that sometimes people just use the entirely wrong words just for a type because they want to sound smart. When actually, if you think of actual intelligent people when they're in an expert role, they focus far more on their own understanding, not overreaching their vocabulary, not trying to find things to just embellish what they say. They try to find the things that really educate other people to other people the most and convey their point so before i used to really enjoy like oh unless you're talking about the open type font pro like the the actual font file you shouldn't say font you should say typeface and if you want to switch between helvetica bold and helvetica light it's you're changing the font style like i could get pedantic in that but nowadays Life is too short. If I understand that like someone is trying to tell me about this thing they like and they're trying to engage me on things, something we both love, why would I take a peck out of them? So I have flipped off and flip flopped in that. But also I'm 29. I've been out of school for a while and I realized like, hey, actually, you know, I really don't care about talking to someone the difference between types, typeface and fonts, because like, you know, um, it's slightly more. I mean, I don't know. It's slightly less highbrow to call up, talk about fonts, but everybody knows that they are and everyone appreciates it. And um, the more ways that we can find ways, um, I'm repeating myself a little, but the more we can find ways to include more people into interests about something, the better. Um, but sure, some of these people who are talking about fonts and typeface, they don't even care that like, you know, there's a historical thing about like, a metal font is, you know, literally a case of 4,000 pieces of metal. And like they, that font was, you know, the eight point font. Like there was 4,000 pieces available of eight point. And then there was the 12 point font because like they had a whole nother case for it. So like there are people who aren't even interested in that. And they're like, they're, but they're noticing that letters have shapes that are decidable in design, which is really cool um, to me. Um, but I, I hate to keep <laughs> finding the devil, be, play the devil's advocate. I love playing devil's advocate, but um, sometimes it can. Uh, I don't want to be a gatekeeper and I don't want to feel like my education makes someone else feel inferior to me. 
Um, so, um, but I think that's a really valuable point because like we want to say the right thing. We want to, there, there's craft involved in how we, you know, our professionals, um, you know, they're, you know, how can you tell the difference between like a craftsperson designer who's been, been an art director for 10 years or someone who's been, you know, just starting to learn a typeface. There are some tells and there, and that comes from their interest and in how they investigate themselves. But also there's like graphic designers who've been working for, you know, 12, you know, 30 years or probably 30 years at this point, And they call them fonts because they, they, they want to. And, uh, they know it conveys best to the client what the hell they're talking about. So they're very content with using the wrong term. Um, so there's there's lots of sides to that coin. But so long as we can make sure we include as many people as possible, also say the right things, and also actually convey something versus overreaching our understanding, which is the biggest problem, I think. Um, because this person who was just trying to make a cool post, he got it all wrong. Um, and he is an expert and he teaches people about type design all the time. Is he a fraud? No, he's not. He, he got a, a term wrong and also English is his second language. So I, I don't fault him for any of that, but you know, you can find on Google how many p- other people, uh, think that Gad Zook is a typographic term, but actually it's just someone really liking how a letter looks. So I have to say, it's a, Gad, a, Gad Zook is a lot cooler <laughs> word than ligature. If I had to put, if somebody had a gun to my head and do a lot, pick one to call it for the rest of eternity, I'd be like, I'd call it a Gad Zook. Just <laughs> so, so they call it a Gad Zook, but just you better know it's not real and you're making it up. You just no, better know. Right. I, think that, I think there's a fine line between. When you are, because I've done it when I've, I've speak, spoken to people and I've been like, oh, this is a such and such, you know, and I've said things about like ligatures and like ampersand's a good one. I can be like, that's called an ampersand or something like that. But I think there's a fine line between being a massive dick and being somebody who's there to just, just you know, to be like, oh, I know things, you know. And I think you can, you can tread that nicely, uh-huh, can't uh-huh. you? <laughs> yeah, no, sure. But then like, yeah, they're just happy they know something and you're like, well, actually you don't. <laughs> actually, you do not go home. Like, yeah. Um, and that's definitely a daily battle for me. Uh, someone who believes he knows oh so much and oh so little empathy. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's fair. That's my problem. I love I love your level of like nerdiness about it. I, I think I aspire to be you <laughs> going forward. Well, thank you. I really thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> that's no problem. I, I appreciate I appreciate how you like save that for our first date together to tell me that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think we should normalize calling podcasting dates. It's just like, yeah, no, no this definitely. Is a date. I'll call it. We're I'll name out now. I'll name the episode something to do with dates. Now I'll come up with something like a font pun, which dates is to do fonts. with dates. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know exactly. You'd have, you'd have a really nice time talking to. Do you know the book Type Matters? Um, that that name rings it's a bell. It's like black me... and it's leather. The guy that the guy that did like wrote it and everything. He's my lecturer at university, and it's it's been it's been all over the mm. world. The book has and stuff like that. But he he'd love to he'd love to have a, a discussion with you. I don't, I don't know how many it's sold, but it's a fair bit. Uh, the type matters by Jim Williams. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that Jim Williams is my no, last just, I mean, I'm just Googling and I'm yeah. not a genius. I just, uh, <laughs> no, it seems like a nicely done book. Yeah. No, it's lovely. It's, it's good for like people that are just getting into it and it's got a load of different, you know, mm. it's like, um, yeah. when you make the type at the start of it, see, this is, I'm starting to fall apart now because you've started over well with we type stuff. But, um, the, the thing, the, the letter at the start, when you make that bigger and things like that, it's got a load of cool stuff like that. And, you know, obviously things like kerning and leading and tracking and everything like that. Right, 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 right. But he'd love to have a conversation. <laughs> with you <laughs> i'm sure yeah you would love this no well that meeting more nerds is it gets more and more fun over time and um especially because uh at a certain point like um it is just finding other people's understandings and uh you know i i think i can definitely learn from anybody so um and and I don't just say that as if like I'm some expert who could teach a college course. I mean, I could probably only spe- teach a college course on typography. That's probably all I could do right now. But um, I don't know the the experience that goes into teaching so many different students and filling them with a passion uh, is a skill in all of its own. So props to him for also writing a book. I don't have the patience. <laughs> Just as a quick I, question. I just rant to people. An yeah. aside, can you look at, a, do you have the thing, because you've been doing it long enough, where you can look at a typeface in sort of like a, a shop and just say that is such and such a typeface? Uh, yeah. So um, it is kind of a part. Because I, wa- I want to be able to do that, but I don't know how to get to a position where I, where I know enough to be able to go, this is such and such and things uh, like that. That is a good question. Um, I'm pulling out a book right now. <clears throat> so... I almost forgot about this book. I bought this book. Um, I'm holding my hand. You can't see it, but I'm holding this book in my... Is it? Is it like black and white? Yes, it is. It does it have a... I have the, I have the same book Wait, behind is it me. the one with... Is this Rookledge's International I Type Finder? one second. It might make loads of noise. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm done. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you about my book, and then I want you to tell me about your book. No, go for it. So, if we're speaking about... In, um, identifying typefaces and starting to begin to learn how to identify typefaces. I found this book on Amazon and it's called Rookledge's International Type Finder, the essential handbook of typeface recognition and selection. You have to look up that exact phrase. I've barely heard anyone talk about this book, but I found it. It literally has um, pages and pages of distinctive letters and just tells you interesting and unique things about them. And then you can use these indexes to find what font it is. It is kind of a weird, very niche thing. Um, but my other secret tool is um, identifont.com, which, you know, I used to, I do, I use that a lot um, when I can't remember something. But I mean, <clears throat> I, I'm, my assumption is most, and my, my understanding is most graphic designers, like 90% of typography is around 300 typefaces. So, do what I do and memorize every lowercase a of all of them. <laughs> it when you when you become passionate, it doesn't seem like work. It just feels like oh yeah, this is this one, or you don't even you just kind of remember something about it so you can find out more information and find it again. Like oh, this feels like I don't know. This feels seems like a type of a typeface that is by uh, Chris Hoursby at Klim or something, and I don't remember which high contrast serif this is or what humanist kind of grotesque he's done or something like that. But I know to go to his website and I know it's on that page somewhere and then I can find it. Um, so, um, those are, I, those are the earmarks and, you know, I stole that from Eric Speakerman who just memorizes the lowercase a lowercase G. Um, 
And then sadly, if that letter isn't there, I'm kind of out of luck sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. But you <laughs> I'm going to steal absolutely. that from you. It's uh, absolutely free. What book do you have that is a black book? This one is a different book. It is called The Field Guide to Typography, Type Typefaces in the Urban Landscape. And it's essentially the exact same as what you described. It's got a load of different uh, typefaces in. I think they're categorized by sort of serif, sans serif, things like that. And it goes over sort of the distinctive parts of the letter forms. And it has a load of different examples of what they look like. I love the fact that we're both just sat describing books uh -huh. on an audio podcast. This is so but podcast. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's two for people that might want to have do that, I guess. I've got that and it hasn't helped me. But I guess the, the A and the D, it's got a lovely thing on the front as well. I don't know if you can, but you'd have to Google it. But it has like a, um, a pair of binoculars that's being made up of like letters, which is really cool. Just as an aside. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I've seen this. I, 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 I don't recall this book, but... This looks like a well-done book. I like the cut. There's an example of some typeface overlays, which is always very good. And also, I mean, I'm just looking at some photos of the interior. Like there, I also see that there's like a page of Frutiger. Um, that's my understanding of how you pronounce it. Um, and but also they have like a very well-known example of it being, I believe, that's Heathrow Airport. Um, that is. Uh, the yellow Heathrow airport or LaGuardia, as far as I can tell, um, that, um, uses Frutiger because it's, was designed for an airport terminal. Um, so very, very, very useful because also I do think of typefaces as like, this was designed as a signage typeface. So I will, uh, you know, if I'm in looking at a sign, it's there's a high likelihood if it's a good typographer selecting things uh, that they used a signage uh, focused typeface uh, for it. So, I mean, right. I mean, because, you know, if you're looking at a sign, you're probably not going to see like a book typesetting font up there. Like it seem kind of out of place, um, you know, unless you're in the back countries of England and then it would seem very quaint and charming and perfect. Um but depending on the situation, you can kind of the situation definitely always helps with identifying because if you can tell what it was designed for. Um, but when you get into display typography, it's like, oh, all these fonts are cool. And they're like they're they weren't really designed for something they're other than looking cool. And they're like, uh, they're it's another one of those things. <laughs> but, you know, all cool, all well done, all exciting. But like you're out of luck trying to find it. <clears throat> that's fair I, I just frantically gone through the book to look for the Frudiger page and it's actually in Charles hang on I've got to try and pronounce this it's French it's Charles the Gay Gale Airport in Paris not uh, Heathrow um, and it says that the distinguishing marks because it has a little paragraph on them uh, it's got square dots over the I and the J minimal stroke contrast a large X height and an uppercase R possesses straight and curved tails <laughs> A little bit of fact fun there. Those playing at home. <laughs> I'll just jump forward then. This has gone a lot longer than every other podcast I've done thus far. It's just really nice. Well, there you go. There you go. I, mean, I bet your listeners are thirsting for more. <laughs> There's people that listen to this who know me that don't know anything about design, so I don't know how long they'll have gone on in the, the time <laughs> podcast. Um, so, yeah, um, there's a couple of bits to this. And um, I guess I just wanted to ask yourself, sure. you know, personally, yeah. where do you think the yeah. future of design, well, the future of type is, I guess. And I, and I mean that in a sense of, firstly, 
you know, sort of variable fonts and things like that? Do you think that there's any tech out there that, you know, people may not know that, you know, because you work in type and things like that, that are maybe on the horizon maybe and things like that? Yeah, well, the advantage of being in New York is it happens to be a kind of hotbed for, um, well, I mean, there's three really good cities for type design. I think that's uh, The Hague in the Netherlands or just the Netherlands, that whole whole country, um, Paris, London, and New York. So that's four places for, uh, yeah. Um, but all of the, um, it's, it's interesting because I know there, there's a, a few of my uh, friends, they are type designers and they, uh, work at Google and they, you know, Google fonts has been, um, investing a great deal into variable fonts. And, um, as we know, Google fonts has been taking over slightly or maybe entirely how people think about web typography as like almost a first choice sometimes. Um, And I just saw a post on their Twitter account that um, there have been one trillion served Google fonts since, you know, I guess they started serving fonts to websites, but one trillion served fonts, which is obscene, like a crazy to me um but also totally makes sense um for a couple reasons um google fonts has been investing heavily into variable font technology because um well on one hand they do want to serve fonts faster and one component of a variable font is that um well there are kind of two main pieces of information in a variable font and as well as like kerning and stuff. But like there are two versions of a font that is just included inside of this font. And then on the fly, the computer just kind of spits out a version between these two fonts based on whatever your browser kind of wants or what the web designer kind of thinks you should see at a certain point. Um, So that means instead of probably down, you know, downloading a light, bold, medium, light italic, bold italic, medium italic, you download four fonts you in with with into variable fonts in file size essentially. Um because like the italic font is another one, another design. Um but the file size has been like a significant um like boon just for people who are trying to work on bandwidth and also delivering things to people with lower connection speeds because i mean it's very annoying if you're trying to see a well-made website and the slowest part is just like the font uh because as we all know type should be very transparent it should be just there and uh serve language how it the designer wants it to be so the fun fact is that lots of people don't even realize that even if now there was a typeface that like let's say oswald which has been around on google fonts for as long as i can remember i think as far as back as uh 2014 or something like that a website designed in 2014 and asking google fonts for oswald bold will no longer um it will make a request to the hosting server and what the server will do now instead of just deliver the font like the single Oswald bold font, it will deliver the whole variable font to the website and select the bold weight 
to be displayed. That is what Google is doing without people even asking for it to do, just because the bandwidth improvement is that significant. They decided to move their most used typefaces and convert them all into variable. And even old typefaces that didn't know what web designers who didn't know or anticipate the variable fonts, they're getting a web font that is variable delivered to their site. Um, And so that's completely invisible to the developer. It's invisible to us, but it's an effort Google has been making just to improve that bandwidth. And so that is some cool tech about variable fonts that not many people know is that like, lots of cases many of us have been seeing variable fonts on our websites and we didn't even know um it was just that kind of a seamless transition that but of course tons of production was required i've known lots of people who are helping and converting old typefaces to become variable and that is no small task um it's almost like rebuilding the font from scratch and then making sure that it can dance for you so like um lots of effort put in for that and also you know they're future proofing even more because there are new typefaces that are they are commissioning from uh, foundries such as production type. Uh, let me see here. Colophon. Lots of people like lots of people like their typeface Appersu. Uh, so Google fonts uh, commissioned a new typeface, n- new typefaces like DM Sans, DM Serif display, DM Serif text. Like these are typefaces that were designed by a really well-established type foundry and were, are now open source. Like, you know, even you, Brian can just take these fonts from Google fonts and uh, rip them open in glyphs and make your own font with them. You can't sell it, but like you can still do stuff on the bones of like a really established foundry. Um, there's like a, like, I mean, I could go on and on about this because also there's a typeface that maybe a lot of people use before called archivo and they just turned it into, I don't know the exact number of weights, but they made it before is this archivo, archivo black and archivo narrow. Those are the three families and archivo black was just that weight. Now, um, I could look it up, but it's like four widths of typefaces from condensed to extended of Archivo and from uh, light to black. And so all those widths, all those weights are now a variable font on Google and nobody knows about that. And it's just like this giant family, super useful. Oh, and italics. It has italics, too. So, um, (laughs) an incredible improvement to like a pretty okay design that is now massively useful through all these widths, weights, italics, super functional. And it's variable. It's kind of crazy to me. And, and like, and yeah, all that is for free for people to use. Google has been making a major investment into variable fonts. And I think it's going to have to change the type industry because there are a lot of type foundries that don't think of variable type as a worthwhile investment. So in response, Google is just hiring many type foundries to just do this work for them to continue and build massive families because that is part of Google Font's mission now to keep improving type design and they have the budget to do so. So those are some exciting pieces to me about variable type. And you can also like if you can't download them easily from the download thing, you can there's usually a GitHub link where you you can go and you can find like, you know, that there's 
a lot more styles and optical sizes than they just show on googlefonts.com because all they just show they only just show like oh light to bold because like I, those those really clean websites like how are they going to fit all these widths and weights and optical sizes so they're really robust ones and you can find a lot more better information on the github which is on the google fonts like that font page at the bottom there's like a tiny little link so yeah i shall have a poke around at some point then soon um i guess as an aside to that as well this is this kind of the second part of that question but so i don't know if you know atkinson hyper legible that was designed for the braille institute quite recently but um the braille institute rebranded because they found that whilst a lot of the people that they work with are completely you know they don't have any sight in their eyes they um they found that a lot of them do have a little bit of sight in their eyes so a lot of them are kind of partially blind things like that so they wanted to rebrand to make you know and and kind of as a part of the rebrand they wanted to make things they wanted to change to a typeface which is as you know accessible as possible but the people that they work with and i can't remember the 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 people who they work with on the rebrand but they um they found that when they were looking at typefaces they did nothing was really hitting the sweet spot for them in terms of what they wanted it to do and things like that so they decided to just make their own typeface essentially and Atkinson Hyperlegible was the the result of that. And if you look at it, because normally when you design a typeface, uh, I believe when you do it, so you'll take, say, if you created the N, like a lowercase n you will take some of the dna for that n i know you can't do it like verbatim you'd have to edit it and things like that but you normally take some of the dna from a lowercase n and you'd put that on maybe the r and the p and then you'd flip the p to be the to become the q and things like that but of course as a result because all of the letter forms have that dna sometimes i guess if you've i guess if you squinted and you imagine that you've kind of got poor eyesight um they might they might blend into one another and things like that so they wanted to try and diversify each letter form as much as possible but they didn't want to do it in because i suppose if you really wanted to do that you could make each character a different style of uh, of type couldn't you you could have like the a is like a black letter typeface and then b is sort of a sans serif and then c is sort of a script so they'd stand out from each other as as much as possible but they didn't want to do it do do things in that kind of style they wanted it to look quite modern still and if you do look at it i don't know if you've you've seen it but it's still quite it's a nice sans serif type of thing and um uh, where was i going with this so off of the back of that they kind of it's people were talking about online about how it's kind of opened up another sort of set of fonts so to speak so you'd have sort of you know your sans serif your serif things like that and then they'd have a hyper legible section for maybe sort of you know hospitals and things like that so i guess i wanted to ask on the back of that with sort of design advocacy design advocacy becoming more of a thing in terms of people doing work for good can you see kind of um i guess people doing a lot more people making type which sometimes is focused a lot more on legibility as a whole than style, so to speak. So the thing to me about the Atkinson hyperlegible typeface, and so I believe this work was done by Applied, which is, I believe they're more known for uh, strategy. Uh, yeah, I think I, I I went to a lecture by them on the typeface is what all this comes from. And I think they said in it, they hadn't done a typeface before. It was it was their first thing that they did in, in sort of this realm, so to speak. Right. So as someone who's trained themselves a lot to kind of understand the, the um, I will, I will I'll kind of I'll start from this angle. So a lot of the theories and kind of questions they were asking while designing this typeface were good ones. Um, so like there are a lot of 
right differentiated letter forms and i'm you know i'm on their i'm on their site right now and they for the braille institute about why their typeface is you know a worthwhile kind of usage of um you and perhaps to use for other things and so they're speaking about things about like how does the letter one kind of differentiate from the capital i from the lowercase i from the l how are these forms as different as possible they're talking about double curved kind of shapes which can often feel similar with low vision environments such as or like lowly sighted people um like the b and the eight they worked very hard to make sure that those things yeah like the eight is the eight the bottom of the eight is like really blown out if you look at it it's really wider than the top of the eight and things mm-hmm. like that right exactly so so people who are not of the highest acuity they can find the most like useful differentiation um so a lot of these theories and a lot of these kind Kind of problems they're trying to solve they're good they are advocating for well done and inclusive design um approaches however do you know another typeface that differentiates very well between the letter one the letter i the capital i the lowercase i the lowercase l verdana it's also on every computer of all every computer um was designed with those sort of specifications to be highly legible at a low point at a small size, which also means it has to look very compelling and different, um, very blurry. So when Matthew Carter was working on this typeface for Microsoft, being one of the few first few serifs for like, I'm not even sure, but like I'm believing windows 95 or something like that like all the way back then he was thinking of these things in mind he was also thinking about having characters that were very distinct from one another in terms of like having the you know the nine being very distinct from other kind of double bold shapes a lot of these shapes are very similar to verdana aside from perhaps the tail and the q which is a, a good move to have additional uh differentiation from a single story a and a q but a lot of the applications of this, it isn't as good as many typefaces that were made by a trained professional. So I can tell this is their first typeface. I understand the theories that they were trying to per- apply. But the issue with this for me and also like the dyslexia font, for example, which they were designed with, you know, dyslexia in mind. I have dyslexia and I'm a type designer. This dyslexia typeface is terrible. <laughs> The, the there's tons of research and there's other typefaces that try to a- accomplish the same things and they're design- done by type designers and they don't have the same marketing or notoriety because they don't have a PR marketing team t- telling people about it. But dyslexia, I mean, th- this dyslexia font is now on uh, every Kindle and you'll have a terrible time looking at it. <laughs> But uh, I do under I do understand and appreciate cause based branding, trying to make tools to equalize the world. But I also think that there are skilled professionals who when they go to school and when when I went and had a, you know, when I was at Type at Cooper for one month, this is one of the first things we were talking about, about like, you know, ways to differentiate these things. They're not mind blowing new concepts that they're executing here they're actually quite fundamental to what everything whatever every type designer is trying to do so i don't find this groundbreaking i don't find this well made and um but if 
you know, Applied really want to make their own font and put it in the clothing of, oh, it's very accessible. I get that. But it's the same sort of, to me, like the snake oil of what a good design is or like why a design is worth money. Like that's that's something else. Um, so <laughs> that that is that is my personal take. And I, I mean, so that that's. I am not saying that this is like a holy clout chasing typeface or a useless typeface. I do think that it is a very legible typeface, but I do also think that there are very better crafted typefaces that do similar things because there are parts of this craftsmanship, like the lowercase S seems like it's falling over backwards. The bottom of the lowercase a is far too big, and like and maybe they were trying to compensate in a certain way to do that. But it in reading text, if you see that letter a over and over, it's gonna make you feel like your eye is falling to the side or something. It will be distracting just because there are tons of small systems that people are trained to intertwine really well with one another. That this isn't accomplishing on that fundamental level. However, all these theories that they set apart, set out to do um, were good things to do to be legible. But, um, you know, if you really want accessibility, like Verdana's ev- on every computer. So if you really want a really legible typeface, use Verdana. Um, but it doesn't look as cool for sure. It doesn't it's not a geometric. It doesn't have round dots. It looks like, you know, it was designed to look great coming off of a like a laser printer from the nineties. Cause it was, but like it has all the same design features. Um, but if people are tired of it, people are tired of it. But do you think there's a market in terms of, you know, sacrificing maybe stylistic things? And I know you said that it is a thing that already does kind of exist, but in terms of just completely sacrificing style in terms of legibility, do you think that's a thing that could become more of a thing or maybe it already is a thing? Maybe. Um, I mean, uh, I mean, it, it is, a, you, is, hmm. is. Is there a line in terms of, like you mentioned the A being really open, but I guess when you look at it, there are things where you'd, you'd expect, but I guess fundamentally, does opening up an A make it more readable? I mean, yeah. However, the, the top of it... I don't have the, it in front the, of me. I should have it in front of me, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, it's just more of... It's more of craft-based components to me that stands out as if it was their first yeehaw in type design, which it was. Um, and I feel like they... Um, I What I'm overall saying is that there's another typeface that's called Lexend, which is... I'm not paid by Google or anything, but it's a Google font and it's free. And it was designed of of a similar sort of thing about like, how do we improve legibility for reading for children? Um, and what they found was instead of by, instead of trying very hard to make lots of different individual changes between all the letters, they just made different font styles that were more tracked out from one another. So if a child was struggling more with reading and legibility, all they had to do, it was switch to this more wide typeface. And suddenly there's so much more space around all the letters. And that is wholly sacrificing style for this actual approach of legibility. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, this is a more stylish thing and less, 
I say craft well-crafted typeface, but there are lots of typefaces that do this sort of thing, have a little bit better craft, but you know, don't have like, I, I do know that if they wanted to create all these changes, they did have to make a new typeface from scratch and that's difficult. And they were trying probably looking for a way to, you know, have something distinctive, have these sort of bold qualities. Like I do like the fact that the, like the I dot is a little bit higher than the caps for when you look at Atkinson in Atkinson bold. I think that's kind of charming. It's fun. It's, it feels fresh. Um, because lots of type designers think like, Oh, I got to have like, or they'll think that the client will really want the I really low, but like, actually this corresponds with the Braille Institute like icon. So they'll, it's kind of a distincting, distinguishing feature. And on the other hand, like if the I dot's very high, um, you can tell the word shape far better because overall, um, you know, it has more distinction. Um, but there, so, I mean, you can take it from two different ways. You can like really hone in on the very legible differentiations and, or finding a new theory about like, if, you know, if someone's having a difficult time reading something, make their font size bigger. That's why, you know, I used to work at a, like a Bible publisher and, you know, we had large print Bibles because people couldn't read. So we didn't, you know, create a new fancy typeface. We just made the font bigger. Um, and that's why children's books, because they're trying to figure out letter forms for the first time, they're very simplified letter forms, but they're big. Um, and so when you don't have as much flexibility in terms of like font size, you can also track it out so that the space around the letters is more distinguishable. So I, I do think in the few, I mean, I mean, in the future, like in terms of like display typefaces that is that are not trying to serve as people of low vision, uh, but, you know, kind of about like editorial design and like, how do I make a website look really interesting or how do I make a magazine layout quite compelling? Uh, there are many, you know, lots of people are breaking a lot of these rules just to be very stylish. So um, I'm not saying that this is th th this whole project was like a waste of effort or something. Um, I'm just saying that if they hired, if they worked more closely with uh, an experienced typeface designer, they might have found a little bit more success. Well, I normally I've been asking people at the end because I haven't been doing this a long time. I've only, been, I've only done a few of them, but I normally ask people. And again, I might be springing this on you. You might it might be something you have stored up, but. Instead of asking you about when you, I normally ask people if you could go back to your younger self and give yourself a piece of advice, but it's a bit of a crap question anyway. It's a bit cliche. So instead, what's your, if you had to pick five typefaces, okay, this is a little bit cliche in itself, but if you had to pick five. Oh boy. Oh boy. Making me. <laughs> and they can't be ones you've made as well. How about that? Well, that's a very small list of fonts that I've made, so that's fine. <laughs> 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 I've only made around 30 typefaces. Uh, but anyway, keep going. So just five typefaces that yeah, I just, like? I want, I want like five. You're, like if you had to pick, for, if every typeface was going to die ever and you had to pick every five. Every typeface is going to die. Oh, okay. Well, I know one of them that's uh, one of my one of my favorites. I speak about it all the time. And we didn't even get into how much I dislike monotype. Uh, but um, <laughs> which that's a, that could be I'd a love whole, to have you on again at some point so we can do this again anytime that'd be a whole nother podcast of just like hating monotype but um, all the goss I got um, great people but um, you know publicly owned it's uh, kind of kind of gross sometimes but anyway um, a top one for me uh, is Neue Haas Grotesque and so I if you were 
I think you might have, you might have heard me speak about this typeface before, but it is a. Did you talk about it on your uh, the thing with the future? Yes, I. The rings of bell that you did. Correct. Uh, I did bring it up. I will never not name drop uh, Noya Hasgrotesque, um, which um, is a revival of Helvetica, and it is of a select an amount of sizes. Like it has text versions of Helvetica, and. Uh, I believe 18 styles of display Helvetica. Um, and I always think it sets wonderfully. It does exactly what you want. It feels like how Helvetica should feel. Um, and it's, and I'm kind of sad that most people don't realize how good Helvetica can look like because they're stuck with looking at something that was based off of photo type set, uh, photo typositors, like whatever, like all these conversion things to digital that that monotype put out and it looks kind of boring and sad. And now, and then Noya Hoskrotesk fixes a ton of those problems that weren't there, how they originally drew it in the 1950s. So I'm quite fond of that uh, type family. So kind of sad that they that I have talked to Christian Schwartz. He is never going to release uh, any condensed weights of it. He is not expanding that family whatsoever. He is tired of how boring that typeface looks to him. So sad for me. Um, so that is a type family that I'm quite fond of. Um, a serif that's like a tried and true for me is um, <laughs> this is a very nerdy uh, kind of selection for me, at least. Uh, it's Kepler, and it was designed by Robert Slimbach for Adobe, and it is a four optical size typeface with, uh, uh, I believe, four or five widths and tons of weights. It was designed for newspaper typesetting, and it has over one hundred. It has one hundred and sixty-eight weights. Uh, it is a juggernaut of a typeface and I use the hell out of it for typesetting a newspaper. And when you, uh, when you redesign a newspaper from scratch or when you're typesetting on a newspaper for a year with it, like you start to know really how to use it. Um, so that has a font that has a, a very soft spot for me. Let me see here. I'm actually just kind of scrolling. I can cut it to, to three if you want to do three <laughs> instead. <laughs> three. Um, I mean, I guess I'll also throw in LL Circular by Lanetto. Um, I remember when it I first saw it in 2013, I saw a sample and I was like, oh, my God, I love this typeface. And people people playing at home don't know LL Circular. It is um, the typeface that Spotify now uses everywhere. And uh, like every like out of home, like millennial focused, like uh pharmaceutical ads to like it's just everywhere it's like this wonderful combination between Futura and Helvetica and I can't get enough of it but um I'm I don't have cool enough projects to misuse it I guess I'll also say Druck which is another commercial type family it was designed to be kind of like a very design carrying component paired with Noya Hoskrotesk it's basically all these really condensed squished exaggerated um mechanical grotesque um uh styles that are you know it's like it, it taught so many graphic designers that you can use a really narrow font for the first time which is kind of cool um so the styles are just obscenely narrow and burton hasby did a wonderful job in that type family and um 
you know, I've used that. I've used it a couple times in projects. Um, so, and uh, you know, I think I'm gonna have to stop there. I can't think of any more, but obviously, I'm very, ser- I'm very uh, sans serif heavy. Um, you know what? Okay, fine. I'll do one more. I'll do one more. I guess I'll say IBM Plex Sans. That was done by Bold Monday for IBM. It is also on Google Fonts. Um, but I think it has a wonderful um, neutrality to it. But also, it 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 felt it does feel like a DIN that is for text, and also it has a nice flavorfulness to it. Like it's it's very difficult to just kind of describe typefaces. But so, but those playing at home, Noya Has Grotesque, Kepler Standard. LL Circular by Lonetto, Druck by Commercial Type, and IBM Plex by Bold Monday for IBM. So um, those are probably my top five. One last thing, and I, 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 you know, I know we've been here for an hour now. So if you just want to say no and bounce, that's fine. <laughs> and I might use this. Well, I this can't as kind say that I... now. Now can I, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm not keeping. <laughs> no, I'm down. I'm clearly down. I just like laughing my, you know, wagging my jaw. This will be the last one, though. <laughs> but, um, okay, absolutely. But um, when you designed the the BF Tiny Hands typeface, can you? explain that can you go over that a little bit for people that are listening yeah no so um i do want to quickly jump into saying that it was a very different time uh 2016 uh so um because um working on the on a donald trump associated typeface now feels kind of unconscionable but back in 2016 when i was at buzzfeed and everyone thought he was going to lose the election terribly to a probably very qualified politician uh you know uh we we all thought we were having a good fun but um i was a contractor working at buzzfeed at the time and um so i was mostly there just as a lettering artist and also i was working on key art for news articles so i wasn't at I think it's important to note that I wasn't necessarily at BuzzFeed. You know, I wasn't making listicles about things or I did make a gift, but it was mostly uh, about me helping and supporting news reporters and writers of kind of culture pieces. So there were slightly more uh, angled towards long form content versus listicles or like quizzes or something. Um, So when I was... At BuzzFeed, I was like mostly watching news kind of pieces go through the docket. And also we were leading up to the election in 2016 in America uh, for (laughs) your friends who are not American. (laughs) Uh, I think it was around 10 in the morning and I showed up around five minutes late and uh, my uh, art director, my uh, the deputy art director, uh, Ben King, asked me is like, hey, uh, how quickly can you make a typeface? <laughs> Which uh, is probably like a bad question to get. But I says like, uh, it depends. I mean, it might take, uh, might only take me uh, one or two days. Like, uh, what is it? And it's like, well, and he was like, well, that it's in, it's some handwriting. I'm like, okay, well, that's a little bit more. Uh, that's a little bit more of a lift, but, or actually easier in certain ways. But, and I'm like, whose is it? And he's like, I want you to make Donald Trump's handwriting for this piece that, that someone's doing as like a parody of Donald Trump's notes for the second debate, because he kept on like looking down at his notes and making notes when, uh, 
Hillary Clinton was making uh, rebuttals to his comments or something like that. So it's like, okay, let's go. And so there's lots of um, kind of press clippings. Oh, and he already knew at that point, by the way, that it's like, oh, and the name has to be Tiny Hand because all these handwriting typefaces are, you know, they're mostly like Eric Hand or Left Hand or, uh, you know, Caddish hand and says like, well, we all know that Donald Trump has tiny hands. So this is tiny hand. Um, so, right. So we already knew the name. We already were very excited about how fun this is going to be. But I had two days of work ahead of me of uh, finding as many like writing samples as I possibly could. They're scanning them, uh, making like little screenshots of every letter, putting them into like little pieces because I was hand tracing every single letter, mostly from three primary sources because you know uh donald trump liked to um print out news articles or something like that and then scribble on it in sharpie and then mail that scrawled oh no fax that excuse me fax that copy that he annotated uh you know passionately to the reporter or the paper or the magazine or whatever. So there was actually a few uh, examples there, pretty easy to find. Um, so the process was pretty, I mean, if you look at the typeface and, you know, I did do this, uh, can you continue to tell me off the top of your head how long ago three, 2016 was in years? Cause I'll have to ask Google and, but I might as well ask you, Brian, Four. 2016. Five. five years ago. We'll go with yeah. that. Let's go with five years ago. Um, <laughs> five years ago, right? We're, we're designers. We're not, we're not counters. Um, but so let me see here. Where was I even going? But like, oh, if you look at... Why did I say four? I'm so stupid. Sorry, go <laughs> I mean, 20, 20, 2020 didn't count. So, you know, that's why we're counting four. Yeah, that's very true. Um, so anyway, uh, the most kind of notable component of the... I mean, the, the 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 development is like, you know, I made a lot of different alternate characters like there's there's some wider characters because like sometimes if it, he's the beginning of a word, he gets a lot more excited. So he makes this really huge U or something or a really big S there's like he just goes really big and then he has all these scrunched letters. So I made lots of different lots of different versions of those letters. I made some things. If you type an exclamation point three times in a row, that makes different ones next to one another. Uh, lots like his signatures is in there. I hand, I hand digitized his signature for some dumb reason. Um, just because I thought people would really want to put his signature somewhere in a document. Um, and let me see the other let me see. Oh, right. I also had to make up all the numerals, which is why they look the least kind of like the rest of the typeface. I literally took out a Sharpie, turned my hand to the side and, and tried drawing all the numerals from scratch. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the development. And it really did blow up on Twitter. And that was fun. And my phone was literally buzzing like crazy. So that was cool. Um, and then he lost and then he won the election, uh, which, yeah, yeah. Ooh, he wanted, <laughs> uh, well, he's gone now, I think. Yeah, I think. Uh, um, no, but it was funny while he was during the election, like it got picked up again because there was a news reporter who took a photograph. Uh, um, I think the, uh, I don't remember the, well, the, the photographer is like Mark, uh, 
Mark Rison or something like that took a photograph over his shoulder about of his notes. And he was just like, I did not quit pro quo or something like that. It was about the Russian thing, Russia probe or some shit. And uh, he um, people were very tickled by what his handwriting looked like on that an actual sitting president's handwriting looked like. So people refound out the typeface uh, and also like JKR Global tried to make a better typeface than mine in one day and it looked like shit and I will say that about JKR if they ever talk to me. That's not very nice. <laughs> you have to look at it. No, I mean the fact that the fact that they tried to make it, that's not very right. nice. Right, and they also I also looked through the, the the design notes and they found like one ex- Do you know what it's called just out of curiosity so I can have uh, yeah, a so like, talking. It's just JKR uh Donald Donald Trump yeah uh quip pro sans yes they did that that's it um quid pro sans and so i remember like their document the person who made the typeface very quickly like his documentation had a screenshot of um like one of the samples of mine and i didn't make an x yet in the sample they were looking at um so my art director like scribbled in an x because i didn't know they would need an x in this long piece so they used that example of my art director trying to make up an x as an example of why they needed a new typeface which is like oh clearly they just didn't even look at my font um but or maybe they didn't want to bother it's like hey do we do you mind if we a multi-million dollar international agency like use your typeface without paying you for anything uh so maybe they just wanted to have more control of the rights or something uh, like that so, so it, there's like letter forms that is that there are there's letter forms in here that are the exact same as yours isn't there as well right like the j is just your j and things like that i'm looking it up again uh they uh damn that's crazy I'm still trying to find it. Oh, right. So if you're looking at the, the It's Nice That article, they have the example of my font there. Um, and Quid Pro Sans. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess they did get that J right. Um, so I didn't know they had multiple forms, but a lot of the ways that they came together is just a little bit messier. Uh, and especially how you use it in the site. Oh, the spacing is really bad. That doesn't help at all. Uh, so, like, genius note or something like that. It's, no, it's yeah. complete. I'm looking at the exact same thing at the exact same time, and it is that I'd end up in that Facebook group that I was talking about <laughs> earlier. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that was annoying to me. I did tweet at them about it, and they didn't reply. But uh, in the end, uh, Jimmy Fallon did do a bit about the font. So, um, my. I, I don't know how many typefaces have had jokes about them on the Tonight Show, but I know mine was one of them. So proud of that. You won in the end. I did. That's I did win thing. in the end. JKR tried to. Do you know if? <laughs> just as an aside, do you know if he's seen it or would you would you know that Donald Trump? <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably. Um, my mom was honest. Did he watch the Tonight Show? <laughs> what? <laughs> Would you, do, you, do you think he watches the Tonight I mean, Show? I don't, do you think he would have seen it when it's on that? Maybe. I mean, uh, someone told me I don't even watch the Tonight Show. I only watch, I only found out because someone said, "Hey, Mark, did you know your fonts on the Tonight Show?" <laughs> so, um, did not know. But um, I, th- he has to know about it. I mean, it's been around for four years. I mean, also, was, unfortunately, some of his supporters use it as like a badge of pride because they're fans of what he does. Um, so, like, uh, not not a fan of that. Might yeah, not the best. Not the best. So, I mean, if anything, he's probably seen it in that sense. Um, 
And also, oh, right. And also this Stephen Colbert used it when Donald Trump was leaving office. Like they made a fake note about um, the, the that they said that Donald Trump left a note to Joe uh, President Biden uh, and like left it in his desk or put it on his desk like it's customary for the president to leave a note for the next president or something like that. So apparently uh, the, uh, the Stephen Colbert's. Um, Tonight show also did a little gag and they used my typeface for that parting note. Uh, so that was fun too. I, I know that uh, President ex President Trump has seen my typeface. Although my mother was worried that she he would try to sue me because of course everyone knows that Donald Trump tries to sue people at you know varying degrees of success. So. Um, and I was like, eh, the BuzzFeed lawyers will cover me. They better. I mean, I was under clock for this project. I was literally on their, yeah, premises for that. So yeah, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> I know she was so worried. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it then. Thank you very much. Yeah, for I mean, up. like uh, my life has peaked after that. I'm not sure what else I could even <laughs> tell you about. If I'm honest, man. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. So it's a really fun project to be a part of. So, you know, hopefully um, my next project it can that's typographic can be a little bit more less uh, clickbaity, uh, a little bit more about uh, helping the world, uh, less about adding to the notoriety, less about the notoriety about some person I didn't even agree with and that I didn't think was going to sit in office. So um, that's probably but, you know, Fortunately, I mean, the thing with freelancing, I'm not sure if you freelance with graphic design and stuff, but like, you know, it's very strange and unpredictable, at least for me, like when people just decide that they need your help. So like this past week has been a very busy week, which is kind of fun. So been working on like designing some scripts for like a wine label. So that's cool. So, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll just have my stuff all over wine bottles. This could be. I could think of worse things for sure. Yeah, that's cool. And then for, for the people that are listening as well, Mark has got other fonts that are lovely that he's worked on as well. It's not just the Donald Trump typeface. It's just there is other ones in here that I'm just looking now. Well, thank you so much. Lovely. My other ones are um, behind embargo for good and bad reason. <laughs> it's all about it's all about what the client needs, though. So that's kind of cool. But um, just being a problem solver. So anyway. This has been uh, this has been really fun, and I really appreciate you having me on. Like, uh, as no a problem, my pleasure. Wonderful podcast host, ten out of ten. Thank Would you. Recommend <laughs> <laughs> just reading books and all different stuff. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Then, do you want to plug all of your socials and where people can find you online and things like that? Just to finish things off. I mean, I absolutely can. If they stuck around for, I mean, well, we've been recording for a bit over an hour at this point, but you're probably going to cut it down. But um, so, uh, if people want to find me on Instagram, I have two Instagrams. I have my personal Instagram account, which is Marky C Davis. And I also have my font design Twitter account, which is Mark Fonts. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mark Fonts and uh, my website where you can reach out to me about any questions about designing typefaces or just want to chat about like, you know, your favorite version of universe or something like that, or how I should say Univea and not universe. Uh, if I want to get pedantic, I can handle it. Um, my Website is uh, designermarkdavis.com. And, uh, you know, you can find me there. 
I'm, I'm there all the time. I'm always there. Hello, it's me again. Hopefully you enjoyed that. If you've gotten through all of this, uh, I applaud you. If you are somebody who's interested in type, I recommend dropping him a follow online, maybe dropping him a message. He makes some beautiful typefaces. If you want to follow me online, um, I am at Parated Material on Instagram. That is P-I-R-A-T-E-D-M-A-T-E-R-I-A-L. Parated Material. My website is paratedmaterial.co.uk. I'm on TikTok at Parated Material too. Posting daily, hopefully. So drop me a follow. Also drop me a review on Apple Podcasts and things like that. It helps the algorithm and gets us up the charts, hopefully, which would be nice. Anyway, thank you for listening and I'll see you next time. George, play the tape cassette thing in my jig where it comes out. He's not really dead.